Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and today we're going to talk about some marketing books. Now, if you've been a longtime listener, thank you. About 100 episodes ago, back in episode 351, I published a, I was going to say an interview, but it was a monologue. It was just me talking about six books that I liked in the nonfiction area. And they were both marketing and sort of lifestyle or productivity focused. I'm going to add a couple, right? I'm not going to uh, completely phone it in today, but I'm going to phone it in a little bit. So partially rebroadcast, but I'm going to share a couple other books that I want to add to the list. And this is a bit of a teaser because soon... Uh, sometime in the near future, I would say in the next month or so, I will publish a full episode of new nonfiction books, mostly focused in the lifestyle area. Could be related to happiness, more general. Uh, these are like maybe like modern philosophy books, if I may be so bold. The other thing that I'll give you today, which some people will not give a shit about. Others will be uh, quite excited. So I, I hope you I hope you like this, but enough people drink beer out there that I will share the beer that I'm about to drink. This is uh, from True Brewing, and it's uh, TRV. It's like the old school U, so TRVE Brewing Company. They're out of like South Denver, and they do some awesome awesome beers. A lot of them are like farmhouse style and really cool artwork. I think almost all of their beers are in tall boy cans. This particular beer is called The Middle of All and it's a Saison with vanilla and grapefruit peel. The vanilla is pretty subdued. You really hardly even can tell that it's in there. Um, but I, I love this brewery. I haven't been down to the actual brewery. Like I said, it's in South Denver. So it is a little bit of a hike from where I am at in the Longmont area. And now that I'm, you know, I'm an old guy. I don't want to drive all the way to the south side of the city just to check out a brewery when I can get the, the beers pretty easily. I got to make a trip down there though. It's supposed to be pretty cool in there. It's supposed to be like very metal, like heavy metal, like just some some hard music in there. Not really my style, but I'm open to it all. N not too long ago, uh, my wife was getting into uh, Megadeth a little bit more, and I don't have an, an issue with uh, hard music. I don't. I usually don't like screaming, but a lot of it can be, uh, you know, extremely musical, and I, I do enjoy that. So, uh, cheers out there. The couple books that I'm going to add to the mix in the marketing area. So number one, we have uh, Seth Godin's Purple Cow, which I'm holding up in front of the camera for the YouTube folks. And the main thing, I mean, he puts it in the tagline, transform your business by being remarkable. And I don't want to spoil the, the punchline here, but could you imagine seeing a purple cow out there in a field surrounded by a bunch of normal cows? You'd probably tell people about it. And that's the idea behind it <laughs> overall. And 
I, I like Seth's books because uh, oftentimes they're they're fairly short, right? He writes shorter books. This one's a, a touch on the you know medium size. I would say he has some longer books that are over two hundred pages. I think I might have almost all of his books. The one the one gripe with some of Seth's books is it it all sounds a little too easy. It all sounds a little too easy. It's kind of like the four hour work week in that way where if you if you pick certain examples and you leave out a lot of details, which you have to do in those styles of book, right? It just sounds really, really easy. And it reminds me of listening to the interview that Tim Ferriss did with Mark Manson, who has a really popular blog. And he also wrote the book, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And he, he remarked to Tim, Mark said this to Tim, that yeah, I kind of I was a little upset with you because I read the four hour work week and I thought this was going to be pretty easy, but it turned out it was a so a whole lot of work and it didn't really work out like I thought it was going to. Later on, Mark Manson got into niche sites and affiliate marketing and kind of came up through a lot of the same world that you know if you're watching listening to this right now. Like we have a lot of uh, you know common people that we follow, and it's not it's not too many degrees of separation to get to Mark Manson from you know our peers, the people that that you listen to, the people that you watch. So, Purple Cow, pretty pretty good, especially if you're if you're thinking about how you can market your website, market your business, make things just a little bit unique. Up next, actually, we have two of them uh, from the same writing partner. So the first one is called Positioning here. So Positioning, this is from Al Reese and Jack Trout. The tagline here is how to be seen and heard in the overcrowded marketplace. So you probably realize sort of the parallel with uh, Purple Cow, try to stand out from the crowd there and how to stand out in an overcrowded marketplace. So positioning kind of interesting when I like went through the book and read it, it was recommended um, pretty often to me. And I, I picked it up and I read some of the information and then I, I saw, I can't remember exactly if it was like the offices that Eric Reese had, but he was in the Roswell, Georgia area, which is very close to where I'm from. Actually, my wife grew up in that that area. In this particular book, I purchased from Powell Books or Powell's in Portland. And I don't know, I, I honestly, I didn't realize this book actually has some sort of inscription. I am not sure, was it signed by the authors or is it just some random people? No, it's random people. So it was like some gift, but it was it was used and if you're ever in the Portland area, or if you happen to live in uh, Portland, you already know this, but Powell Books is crazy. It's a multi-floor bookstore that takes up like a whole fucking block in the city. Super cool, super cool vibes in there. They have a lot of uh, like vintage and used books and brand new books, and it is a destination. You literally, if you're 
into books or at least somewhat interested in books, you could spend a whole day there. And, you know, lucky, lucky for us, there are some breweries close by. I think when we went over there, we went by the uh, Deschutes Brewery downtown there, which is uh, one of my favorites. So pardon me, I'm just going to take a sip real quick here. That's one of the dangers with uh, opening a beer. Eventually I have to drink some of it. Up next from that writing duo, Al Reese and Jack Trout, this is a book called The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. And the tagline is violate them at your own risk, exclamation point. So this is also a pretty concise book, very uh, short, punchy chapters that get to the point. There's no bullshit in here. It is 129 pages. You could read it in a few hours, like a couple hours, depending on how many notes you're taking and all that stuff. This book also from Powell's is an old edition. And if you're able to chase one down, I, I heard someone, actually someone recommended that I get the old version of this book. There are some interesting and uh, maybe like dated references, which is always, and, and the examples are dated as well. So the thing that I remember when I picked this up, it was 2018. So that's when I, I took a trip out to Portland and this book was written in 1993. Many of the examples in here about marketing were about Donald Trump. And he was, uh, you know, president back then. So without uh, getting political at all, it was just interesting to see that there were a shitload of examples of marketing about Donald Trump in a 1993 book all about marketing. So highly recommend it. And the cool part with books that have, uh, you know, short chapters, it's written like this, the law of line extension or the law of the ladder. So pretty straightforward. And they, they give you an idea and they give you very clear examples. Not every one of these 22 laws is going to be directly applicable for you, but you'll get some cool ideas from it. And my take for almost any book at this point is if I can get one good idea from it, that's amazing. Like that, that's well worth it because these books, especially like the used ones, they're super cheap. And like all the Seth Godin books, they've been out for a while. I bought them on eBay from like Goodwills across the country and they cost like those Seth Godin books, they cost like $5 and it was like free shipping. Now, for these books that I bought from uh, Powell's, I don't know, say the 15 bucks a piece. I'm not sure. It's in the city, but the, the thing is, it's so inexpensive compared to the value that you can get from them. For the marketing books, you might get a direct ROI. As I teased you before, I will be publishing an episode about philosophy books, but really they're like lifestyle books, right? For those, you're probably not going to get a direct ROI for business. But once you, hopefully, uh, you move past that and everyone's trying to be happy, right? Like everyone's trying to live uh, their best life in air quotes or whatever. But basically, you know, you're potentially trying to like start a business so that you can be happier 
than if you work for someone else because you'll have autonomy. You'll be able to take a day off to do something that you enjoy doing versus going to a boring meeting or maybe doing things a certain way that your boss wants you to do them. But you think they're dumb and you think there's a better way to do them. But at the end of the day, like you want to be happier through working on your own business or you want to earn more money so that you don't stress about work and having a, uh, the same sort of career by earning a little bit more and saving so that you can spend time with your family, travel, work on your hobbies, uh, sit around, take naps, whatever, get more rest. Took a nap just the other day. It's underrated. So the, the point is for the business books, the marketing books, if you could get some ROI, that's cool. for a book, that's a fucking bargain. If you can change the way you think about life or somehow be happier, that is uh, even more valuable, even though you can't put a direct dollar amount on it. But if you find that you change your way of thinking from a book, that is a huge bargain, especially if it makes you happier. So last one that I'll mention in the new set, and then I'll kick it over to some of the other books that I mentioned in episode 351. So this is uh, Derek Sivers, and I have been on a Derek Sivers kick here recently. This one is called Your Music and People, Creative and Considerate Fame by Derek Sivers. And I actually ordered this from his website. And you can probably read almost all of the book on his website via blog post. So Derek created the company called CD Baby, which was featured in the second edition, or at least the updated version of the four-hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Derek Sivers has also been on uh, dozens of podcasts. He has a, a great series, I'll call it, even though it spans several years, on the Tim Ferriss podcast. So he was on the show circa 2014-ish, 2015 or so, and then again here recently in 2023. And Derek has had, you know, some different things that he's worked on over the years. So in this in this specific book, it's targeted at musicians and their audience and how they can, you know, stay true to their music, how they can stay true to their audience and make a living, basically. The cool part, similar to the other books that I mentioned, is this is a kind of a short one. They're literally, you know, blog posts that Derek wrote and they're very short and punchy. The quote chapters are just divided up into blog posts, which are often about one page or so. The total book is 130 pages. The cool part, because I was like, I'm not going to get this book, but Derek mentioned in one of the interviews, he was like, yeah, I wrote it for musicians, but I heard from a lot of my friends and readers that they found it helpful, even though they are not musicians. So it's an interesting take on 
how to treat uh, your business. And like I mentioned, how to stay true to your art or music or whatever you're creating and your, your audience. And is right in the tagline, creative and considerate fame. I don't agree with everything in here. And I, I really like Derek and some of the, you know, some of his other books, which I, I picked up all, all of his books. I'm, I'm with him for, I don't know, 80%. And then there's a few things in there where I'm like, uh, I don't agree with that one, which I, th- I think is fine. I think it would be fucking weird if I just agreed with everything in every book that I read. Now that I say that out, out loud, but he has a specific take for some stuff. And I'm just like, ah, that's not me. The thing is, I've listened to enough of Derek's stuff over the years. Like, I don't think he would like argue. <laughs> like, he has a position, he has a reason for his outlook and framing and context around a certain bit of advice or chapter or whatever. And I, I have mine too, right? So, and, and you can have yours too. Like, we're, no one's saying every, everything in these books is right. It's just an interesting take and it's cool to understand how you could take the, some of the marketing and the ideas from the, the music industry and apply it elsewhere. So good lessons in there. And I think, so interesting thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to publish the other episode from like a year ago. And I'm looking through the old show notes. There's going to be like a sponsor, like an old sponsorship on there. There's some other stuff. They, it may or may not be accurate. So remember, if you, you follow the link, it should redirect to wherever it's supposed to go. If there were any special deals or anything like that, they may have disappeared. They may have expired. So keep that in mind. That's my little disclaimer. I really appreciate you checking out this full episode and... I think that's it. So let's let's roll the the other one. So I'm going to talk about influence, power of habit, smarter, faster, better, the dip, deep work, essentialism, and freakonomics. We'll catch you on the next episode. And yeah, see you later. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about six books that I really like. These are nonfiction books, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about reading as well. I think it's six. Yeah, that's right. And I'll tell you why I like them, not in great depth, but definitely some books that you can go check out, and hopefully you'll get something out of them. I have a whole shelf of books behind me. And uh, honestly, there's a handful that I, I haven't read and I've, I've intended to read them, which is why I bought them in the first place. But just for whatever reason, I haven't been reading nonfiction. Sorry. Yeah, I haven't been reading nonfiction as much in the last, I would say, 18 months or so, maybe two years, something like that. And I'm, I've been reading a lot more just fiction and reading sort of leisurely materials. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. Before I get into it, shout out to sponsor of this episode, Ezoic, and their product, Leap. It'll help your site load faster and get green in the core web vitals, which is so important. And, or at least Google tells us it's so important. It is important, all right? Try to do better with core web vitals. And the cool thing with Leap is it's free to people that monetize with Ezoic. So you could just get started with it. And the other cool thing with Ezoic, there's a link in the description here. Basically, 
there's no page view limits. There's no minimum. So there used to be a minimum in a lot of other uh, places that are similar to Ezoic companies that are similar to Ezoic. They require some page view minimum. Ezoic doesn't. So even if you're a brand new site, you can start integrating right away. So go check it out. I appreciate the sponsorship. And even if you don't need a leap or you don't want to check out Ezoic specifically, go check out their blog. Their content is fantastic. So it's you know probably guaranteed that you'll learn something new if you go browse around in the topic areas that you're interested in. Okay. So let's talk about a few of these books. And there's no really particular order. The way they're sitting in front of me here just happens to be the the easiest way for them to, uh, it's sort of like the largest one on the bottom and the smallest one on the top. But I'm just going to go through in sort of an arbitrary order here. So the one that I'll talk about first is Essentialism, and that's by Greg McEwen. It's, the subtitle is The Discipline Pursuit of Less. And I actually read this book after I read The One Thing, which I can't remember who that's by, but The One Thing kind of steered me in a certain direction and and really helped me eliminate some of the noise and distractions that I had. And then I read Essentialism a couple years later, and Essentialism, I thought, was a a little bit tighter, a little bit uh, better just in general, the way... Greg McEwen writes sort of spoke to me a little bit more. Um, it just kind of fit my style. And I'm not sure, I haven't read the one thing again in, in a little while, but essentialism, as you could sort of imagine, it helps you focus on the things that are essential and hopefully ignore the things that are not essential. And I know working online specifically, where there's all these different marketing messages coming at you, it's hard to figure out which things to pay attention to. Another big issue with working online, especially once you get a little bit of traction, once you get a little bit of success, you will recognize opportunities all around you constantly. And it'll be very hard to not pursue those probably pretty good ideas, pretty good opportunities. And what turns out happening is there's a lot of very good opportunities and I've started to look at things where I'm just going after the very best opportunities, the the biggest upside or the most enjoyable for whatever reason. And it's really hard to not say yes to all these different things. And actually uh, recently I heard, uh, I can't remember if it was a podcast or if I was having a conversation in person with someone, but the general idea was I got to where I am by saying yes to almost everything. And then these opportunities popped up and all of a sudden you find yourself overextended, a little too busy, working on shit that you don't really care about that much. So at some point, you will probably reach a point that you realize you need to say no to most things most of the time and only only focus on the essential pieces. And Greg McEwen has a lot of great uh, personal stories from himself and people that he's worked with where they they thought they had to burn the candle at both ends and it sort of led to burnout. And as they cut things out, they were happier and they actually were more productive in general. Next one is Deep Work by Cal Newport, Rules for a Focused 
success in a distracted world. And the, the biggest takeaway here is really just focusing and being able to get the important work done. Similar to essentialism, and they kind of work hand in hand here a little bit, it helps you, you know, get rid of some of the distractions in your life, whether it's, you know, from a social media standpoint and, you know, turning off email and some things like that, or if it's, you know, saying no to certain things, which I mean, like I said, they kind of go hand in hand, but as you can imagine, Cal Newport is focusing more on work and getting important things done. So one of the big takeaways that I got from Cal was time boxing your day. And that just means, you know, mapping out probably like half hour segments through your day and then assigning what you think you're going to be working on during that time. One thing for me, and this happens uh, for a lot of people, I think, we really, really underestimate how long it takes us to do something. Like, almost everything. We're like, ah, yeah, it'll take like half an hour. It takes us like three hours. Like not only are we inaccurate, it's like wildly just way, way off. So the thing is you may not want to be too rigid on yourself and think, I don't want to time box my day. That seems crazy. I want more flexibility. Great. Uh, do it anyway it's meant to be changed. And I think Cal mentions he'll use like a whole piece of paper or a, a notebook or something like that. I use a notebook personally and he'll map out his day sort of on the, on the left side. And then as things change, right, everything changes. Your expectations are a little bit different than what really happens, or maybe something unexpected happens and, and you get pulled into a meeting or there's some minor emergency that you have to go take care of. So your time box schedule is fucked up. That's okay. You can just move over to the uh, right a little bit and adapt. What happens if you do this for about a week or so, you become much more accurate at how long things take you. And hopefully, this is what I ended up doing. You just build a lot more slack into your day. And as time has gone on and I haven't needed to work as much and actually intentionally trying not to work as much, it's pretty fun to have slack in your schedule because if your friend calls you and says, hey, do you want to come over and have beers in the afternoon? You can go do that because you have slack in your schedule. One thing that's really easy to do, especially for a lot of folks like us, where maybe you're very ambitious, you have a full-time job, you're doing your side hustle, you have like three other things going on, family, sitting in traffic part of the day, all of a sudden um, you fill up your day with stuff to do and there's no slack. If something changes, your whole day spirals out of control. And I used to, you know, sort of judge my day's success by whether or not I finished like all the things on my to-do list. And, you know, you usually don't. So then you, you feel like you failed that day, but you really didn't. You just, you know, were, I guess, sort of poorly assigning what you thought could be done in that day. So time boxing, super effective. Once you get used to doing it, you probably can back away and be, you know, less rigid. And kind of what I do is I, I don't time box almost at all anymore because I have a, a much better 
understanding how long things take me. And it's usually like two to three times as long as I would initially uh, suspect. And that's just the way it goes. So maybe you're much better, but typically I find people don't estimate how long things take very well. So deep work, great read. All right, next one is The Power of Habit. This is subtitled, uh, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business. It's by Charles Duhigg. And fun thing, I actually wrote a short review on this, I think back in like 2014 or so. And I tweeted at Charles Duhigg. And this is a, I think this is a New York Times bestseller. And uh, Charles uh, tweeted back. He was like, a good read. Thanks for checking out the book. And it was a good review, Doug which was absolutely amazing. And, I, and then I stopped using Twitter so much. So I just, I don't spend much time in there. So the power of habit, for me, it really sort of uh, cued me into different routines and habits that we have, both sort of uh, as individuals. And then it also looks at sort of like bigger groups of people as well. So Charles Duhigg, I can't remember if he wrote for the New York Times as well or Wall Street Journal or he has a, a very strong journalism background and that's not even, I mean, that's underselling it quite a bit. The, the point is he's a very good writer where the stories hook you in. There's a lot of research behind it. And there's, I mean, I think the the end of the book is just full of citations and references. So you can go back and, and read a little bit further or go into the details for the specific anecdotes that he shares in here. The other great thing with this book is at the end, I think there's like 15, 10 or 15 pages where it basically tells you how to implement the things in the book. So you have you know, all the reference material uh, at the end, you have all the, the stories through the book, and then you have essentially like a user manual, like how to apply what you learned in the book, which is really awesome because you could just kind of go back, look at that specific section, and then you're sort of like reviewing the whole book, even though you just read, you know, 10 pages worth. So highly effective. And for me personally, it helped me, you know, eat better uh, when I've done dry Januaries in the past, which I haven't done too many. Um, there's just some very simple things that you can do to curb your habit. So for example, and there's probably most likely a whole episode on like dry January and how to curb those habits. But essentially for me, um, there were a couple triggers for grabbing a beer or a drink in the afternoon. So number one was time of day. Number two was who I was around, which was my wife. Number three, uh, there's some, you know, portion of the uh, reward where, you know, I feel nice because I, I drank a beer and it helps me relax a little bit. So there's a few things that you can do. Like for me, I was really trying to make sure I had some sort of replacement fizzy beverage instead of a beer so that I could uh, sort of replace that habit with something else that was not quite as enjoyable. I mean, I was just drinking like carbonated water. So definitely not as fun as a beer, but it sort of served its purpose. And then maybe later in the evening, I would have like an herbal tea. Again, not nearly as fun as drinking an alcoholic beverage, but I slept better. And that was, you know, sort of positive on its own. 
So power of habit, really uh, effective way to you know change some of your habits and, and not just like in the short term, but for the long term, if you want to. I, of course, went back to drinking uh, on February 1st. <laughs> it was just kind of an experiment for that month. All right, I'm going to skip ahead and talk about another Charles Duhigg book. I really like Charles Duhigg. This one's called Smarter, Faster, Better, The Secrets of Being Productive in Life and Business. I believe this one has also turned out to be a New York Times bestseller and, you know, same sort of idea. It tells you some things about being productive, both individually or maybe if you have a team of people working for you, there's some there's some things that you could do to help them be more productive as well. And at the end of the book, there's sort of an implementation guide, a little user manual to do those things within the book. I don't remember um, as many of the anecdotes. I haven't read this book as many times. I think I've gone through it like twice or so, but Highly recommended. Again, I just, I like Charles Duhigg quite a bit and I've heard him on uh, several podcasts. So just excellent storyteller and can bring those lessons through story. Um, so it's a fast read, really enjoyable. So the other one, I have two more. So Seth Godin, The Dip, and I have like a stack of Seth Godin books behind me. And I haven't read all of them, to be fair. But one cool thing, if you haven't read Seth Godin's books, is a lot of them are about like 100 pages or so. Um, the the dip here, I'm looking, it's 80 pages, and it's sort of like a small, um, small format book. So you can read this in like an hour or a couple hours or something like that, depending on how fast you read and the notes you're taking or anything like that. And the the punchline of this book is, It's called A Little Book That Teaches You When to Quit and When to Stick. So sometimes you're in a dip and you don't know if you can push on. And I know in the sort of the world that I am in with affiliate marketing and niche sites and building a brand new site, these days it takes, you know, six months or a year to get just a little bit of traction. And it feels like you're in a dip for a really long time. At the beginning of a project, you're building a site, you're really excited, there's a lot of momentum and stuff like that, and that keeps you going. And then when you don't see results or what you expected, or you find yourself in the situation that everyone else is in, then you're kind of in a, you know, sort of a psychological dip. And there's some times when maybe you should pack it up and move on. And and sometimes you're just about to hit it big, right? You're you're in the dip and you're about to, you know, start growing, your site's about to get traffic or you're about to, you know, overcome that plateau. And if you just stick with it a little bit longer, you'd be in great shape. Now, the book gives you some tips, but the fact is no one knows what's going to happen, so you kind of just have to, you know, make a decision and move forward or stop working on the specific thing. And, you know, one of the lessons in the book that Seth shares is some of the best people in the world quit stuff, right? They quit things so that they could focus harder on the things that they're good at or things that are more important to them. So people quit all the time and it's not a bad thing to quit. It's actually a very good thing to quit. As I mentioned before, once you get some traction, you'll all of a sudden see opportunities everywhere. And it's important to 
to quit the things that maybe aren't working as well. And I, I mean, I struggle with this still, and I'm sort of in a spot where some of the things that I was working on that were fine and uh, moderately productive before, well, they don't, they're not as productive as they were, or maybe it's just a smaller, I guess a smaller uh, piece of accomplishment or something like that. So I'm looking at things and I'm like, do I even want to work on that anymore? It seems like kind of a waste and I don't really get that much out of it, uh, either from a fun aspect or happiness standpoint. It's not work that I want to do. And then if I'm looking at sort of a, you know, productivity in the terms of uh, money and earnings, if I'm looking at something, I'm like, well, that doesn't earn that much money for the amount of effort that I put in. And it's not much fun. So I have to question like, why the fuck am I doing that? Like, I don't need to do it. So maybe I could just stop doing that thing. And, And you quit doing it. And then I can move on to other things or, you know, sit quietly, play guitar a little bit more. I, uh, I don't know if I'll have time in this episode, but soon I'll tell you about uh, a new guitar that I, I got not too long ago. Okay. Final book here. And this one is fantastic. It has sort of shaped, shaped how I look at, you know, a lot of the inputs that come at me. So this one is called Influence, very popular book in the marketing space, The Psychology of Persuasion. This is by Robert Cialdini. I think that's how you say his last name. And basically this book gives you a ton of tips on persuasion, copywriting, and just marketing in general. And from a marketing standpoint, this is probably one of the best books that I've ever read. There are a lot of, you know, references to studies and different um, experiments that were done just in, in general in the marketing area and the persuasion area. Now, one of the cool things in this book is it also tells you at the end of each one of the sections, I think there are six main areas for this uh, book. Basically, it tells you how to recognize when you're potentially being persuaded slash manipulated in a way that you don't want to be manipulated and how to avoid it. So, I mean, certainly there are certain times where we may be persuaded and manipulated, but it's actually okay because, you know, you're buying a thing that you want or need. Uh, example, like the, you know, guitar is sitting in front of me. I wanted to get the guitar and Certainly there's some marketing and some persuasion behind that, but it's a thing I wanted. So it's not like I'm going in blind and getting some shit that I don't need for, uh, you know, expensive prices that are just crazy. So the sort of downside to that is, and, and maybe I'm a sort of a cynical person anyway, slash realist. And I'm, I'm always thinking, ah, you know what? What's the angle on this? Am I being tricked? Which is kind of a, it's a shitty way to look at the world sometimes. But, um, but basically, because of the tools and in, in the persuasion tools that can be used to manipulate in this book, I will go around sort of with my eyes open and then I'll think, oh, Is this some persuasion trick where I am starting to think that I want or need something that I don't want or need at all? And like I said, with my sort of cynical personality, maybe a little jaded for various reasons, I'm always questioning 
the message that's coming at me, even when it might be genuine or real or totally legit. So excellent book, again, from a marketing and copywriting standpoint, super helpful. And you will be able to recognize when you're being marketed to and when people are trying to persuade you. Double-edged sword and, you know, maybe a more, uh, because I'm not like, I'm not negative just in general, but I'm always, I'm, I'm always curious about a person's incentives and why they're talking about something. Oh, perfect example. I was chatting with a friend yesterday who may join me on the show. She's going to be starting a podcast soon. And we were talking about, um, I think it was transcriptions for podcast. And she mentioned, oh yeah, like I've read, she, she's done a ton of research on podcasting. And she said, yeah, uh, some people are saying, you know, definitely do the transcriptions and blah, blah, blah. And I asked her, I'm like, well, do you, have you ever read a transcription? She's like, ah, maybe once ever. So maybe one time I've read a transcription, maybe like once or twice, but I was looking for a specific piece of information. Now, what I brought up to her was most likely wherever she read that information, they were referring people to a service that does transcriptions so that they are affiliates and they earn money. So they clearly have a an incentive to send people over there, which is what I point out all the time when folks are like, oh yeah, this new, uh, this new AI tool is fantastic. You got to check it out. It'll save you time, blah, blah, blah. Look how great it works. Or this new plugin does X and blah, blah, blah. And they present it as like their own opinion, which it, I mean, it might be legitimately their opinion, but it's not wrapped in like earlier. Right, I had an ad read. It's clearly an ad read. Um, I accepted money. They sponsored the show. Right, it's clear. Right, very transparent, and you can check out the tool yourself. When it's presented like, "Hey, this is a legit, um, unbiased review," and they may not say that explicitly, but it's sort of presented that way. And then you think, oh, this tool is fantastic. And boy, I was fooled so many times in the past when I first got started. I bought, uh, I won't mention the product specifically. One was a theme. One was a page builder type product. Others were uh, keyword research type tools. And, you know, in general, they were kind of functional, but they definitely didn't like deliver and like change the world like I was expecting based on what people were telling me, like, oh, you have to have this page builder for all this rich formatting and stuff. Turns out it, it didn't matter at all. And it just sort of wasted my time. And then with some of these tools, uh, usually it's maybe like a WordPress theme or the page builder more than a keyword research tool. But once you start using a piece of architecture like that or a piece of software, sometimes it's really hard to migrate off of those pieces of software. Again, with a WordPress theme, you might have short codes polluting your whole website, and it's really hard to migrate off of that platform, which sucks because then you're sort of like roped in and it's very painful. It's a it's a great thing for the, the company, right? Because it's something that they can earn money from each year as they renew your license. But from a usability standpoint and flexibility standpoint, it's really kind of crappy. So anyway, that's why you always have to look out for, I mean, 
hell, people like me don't trust me either. But, you know, there's folks online, uh, either, you know, YouTube or a podcast or a blog or whatever. And they're like, this tool is fantastic. Look how great it is. But if they are getting paid in any fashion on the back end as an affiliate, you have to question their motives and look at their incentives. I'll stop beating that horse there. Another book that I don't have laying in front of me, it's behind me, but it's um, Freakonomics. So I think there is a there are a couple books in the Freakonomics um, series at this point. The original from, I think like 2006 or seven is very good. And you know, one of the big things is looking at incentives and understanding, you know, why a website broker or a real estate agent may not have your actual real best entrance in mind, right? They are earning a commission based on, you know, certain things. So they may not hold out for the highest price. They may not encourage you to negotiate and look at all the deals perhaps. So you always have to keep that in mind. They, you know, generally they're looking for fast transactions versus the highest like sort of earnings for whoever is selling. So you got to keep those things in mind and Freakonomics, another great one to check out. So seven books, a little bonus in there. Well, I think I'm going to wrap it up for today. We have some awesome episodes coming up. I appreciate the people that have put have been adding their reviews out there, especially on the iTunes side, but wherever you're listening or, or watching this, uh, any sort of interaction and or reviews, ratings, all those things are really helpful. If you haven't signed up for the email list for some reason, it's over at nichesiteproject.com. Click the green button. I'll send you all my templates and systems. And I often share information about podcasts that I've done, maybe that I've been a guest on, new videos that come out and new sort of case studies and blog posts and stuff like that. So thanks a lot. I'll catch you on the next episode and uh, yeah, see you later.